Freedom is a feeling, and the best way to truly feel free is behind the wheel of a Jeep SUV. Find out what true freedom feels like at Jeep Freedom Days. And now, financing at $2,500 total cash allowance on the purchase of a 2022 Jeep Grand Cherokee WK Laredo 4x4. Don't miss this great offer. Financing for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Must take retail delivery by 531-22. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hey there, guys. Welcome back to the Keys Bartender Show. Uh, This is Jim, the Keys Bartender. It is episode 360. And uh, today was the day I got my COVID test for my surgery on Monday. And it's easy to uh, get wrapped up into a mindset. And this person, me I'm talking about, can... You know, for a while, you just get wound up. You think it's all about you. So when I go in and they're not, you know, not everyone, this is a new thing here with the COVID test and having to deal with surgeries. And I, if people don't seem to have their act together, I take it personally. And I, I guess I was thinking since I had all these different dates that I was unique but I'm sure there's other people out there that had to do that. And I realize other people are going to deal with the other th- uh, other things. And uh, there's people without access to health care all around the world that just don't get things treated. You know? They just go on with their lives until their lives end. Taking care of things or not taking care of things. But a lot of times... In in most of the world, there's not the ease of access to healthcare and healthcare procedures and access to the expertise of a specialist. And I'm in a part, at least uh, I'm in a part of the United States, I'm living at a time in history where obviously we're at the most advanced medical, uh, advanced stage of medical arts, communication, diagnostic treatment, and all that. And it's easy to get wrapped up in the thinking that, you know, this is happening to you and you're not being taken care of. And it's, you know, this Christmas season, Christmas is about giving. And it's easy for someone to get a little selfish, I guess, about things. And not think about what each person in this step, like even people you're dealing with, the healthcare providers, I can't imagine. I, I'm in a smaller community, so they're not dealing with it as much, but they're under stress too. And I realize that uh, a lot of ICU nurses are dealing with, uh, and, and doctors and medical staff and housekeeping and all that stuff, they're dealing with a whole different set of things to be concerned about. They have the stress at the work and then they have stress at home. Right? Because they're working in a high infectious environment, highly infectious environment in a hospital with people, a lot of people that are infected. 
So I went for a test today and it wasn't ready. Uh, I was told to come in the morning, but I guess the person I was talking to didn't know it. They didn't start till 10, so I go, I go out and take care of some things. And I'm considering, you know, I'm thinking, oh, wow, they, they don't really know how to treat people, blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking in my head. I'm doing this thought process. And then after a while, I'm thinking, wait a second. Wherever I went to go to the store to get some of the supplies I need, whenever I'm dealing with someone who's a healthcare provider who's dealing with me on the phone, I don't realize you're dealing with another maybe 40 or 50 people on that day on getting ready. I mean, I was my surgical date and time was Monday, December 28th at 4.30. And then I, yesterday I got a call from a very nice lady. She seemed kind of hurried, but that's because they're coming up on the holidays. She has to call people and get them ready because there's going to be two, she's got to get two days of work or one or two days of work done in, in the time span she normally gets one day done. I mean, uh, normally she has to get two or three days worth of work in one day. So she had to contact people, the pre-op nurse, and she was telling me all the procedures. And I've been through it already, and there's a couple new things about it, you know, how to, I have to really think about being sanitized before this surgery that I have to have clean sheets. Now, it's funny. I get From each person, I get additional layers. I don't get one. The way I um, try to consider it, when someone tells me, don't wear this, don't wear this, don't make sure you don't put any lotions, don't put any deodorant. Um, the last two showers you take, you want to use this surgical cleanse called Hobby Cleanse or whatever the generic equivalent is and uh, use it below the neck. Don't put any products in your hair. Uh, just do, you know, wash your hair really good, stuff like that. And uh, make sure you take off all your jewelry, do all this stuff, don't eat anything after 12 midnight, don't drink anything at all, even water uh, after midnight. So I'll, I'll do all that. I'll try to get hydrated and things like that. And um, I'll follow. So, but sometimes you'll go to someone who I got the COVID test today. It was the person I got the COVID test from today. Was her name was Robin, and I was walking. I was going to my local hospital, not where I'm having the surgery. And I looked down the aisle, and then she is suited up with the mask and the shield and the gloves and the and the, um, certain you know the the surgical robe and all that stuff and she's waving me down and then I recognized who she was and she was very sweet very very nice and handled it well and yeah she tickled my frontal lobe with that q-tip for you know eight to ten seconds uh which it's not you know after doing it a couple times it's really not that bad you're just not used to it you know when you go up when you go no one's used to having well most people aren't used to having things shoved up all the way up their nose. So, unfortunately, uh, this one. So, so when, and, then, and then when I was going in earlier, when I was going into the hospital, there was a gentleman who works at the cardio rehab next to the gym that I work at at the hospital. The cardio rehab is actually inside the gym. And they have their own section with a curtain. 
where they do the cardio rehab and they have their own equipment there. His name's Joel. Really great guy. Really great guy. He's, um, um, I don't know what his technician is, if he's a physician's assistant or a nurse or whatever, but he's always, or a doctor, you know, I mean, but he's working the front, the, at the entry of the main hospital. I guess they rotate it depending on how busy they are, um, at the, and at missions. And Joel was there, and he was great. He's such, every time I see the guys, a joy to be with, giving me information and stuff like that. Every time I do my spin class, um, most of the time I do my spin class, he comes out and says hi, and we talk about things. We were talking about this. Um, they do now, every three months, they require a, a retraining for CPR, life-saving te- technique. And I think it's great. They got the CPR dummies. They got an adult and a baby. And you have to provide, it's called high-quality CPR. You know, just the amount of, uh, you're doing it th- uh, four times a year with this automated sentence. It makes sense because you're always doing it. So when you're, it becomes, after doing it, I've been trained doing it 10 times. But if I do it every three months, it should be second nature. And it gives you a grade on how you do it. So like, I mean, he was telling me how to do that. But he was he was hand, handling admissions, and we're talking to him. And then I saw one of the nurses when I went on the floor to get the test before I saw Robin. It was uh, I saw her when I was leaving. Um, Beverly saw another nurse, Gabby. I know another one, Jen, who is there, Jenny. She's working at the hospital. Um, it's it's a small community here in the Upper Keys, and I've been working at that hospital almost seven, I guess seven years, and everyone from the CEO down to the housekeepers know me and the people in the uh, the cafeteria. Not so much the ER. The ER, you don't run into a lot of people there, but a, uh, a friend of mine's a doctor there, and he's really helped me out. But I have to remember, whenever I'm dealing with things myself, whenever you need something done, or I need something done, I shouldn't talk about you, you should talk about me, I have a tendency to start taking away that empathy I naturally feel for people, and I start getting selfish. And I have to remember, it's not all about me. Now, my primary goal right now is to have that surgery done. Because I want to get that tumor taken out, because the doctor said it could become malignant if it's not and everyone all the doctors said that the longer it goes the worse it gets so that's the thing that got stuck in my head so it's funny you know whenever they talk about a narcissistic personality you start thinking whenever you see those tests it used to be in the magazines now they're online see if you're this what are you on the Myers-Briggs test are you selfish individual are you egotistical are you a narcissist are you a sociopath are you a psychopath all those things and you say well I show it's uh, are you an alcoholic are you obsessive compulsive and you take those tests to almost self what do you go self-determining meaning you automatically see that it's all it's a lot like uh, astrology right when you see a horoscope you're, you're going to see, they're going to give you a description of what 
an Aquarius is, your Aquarius or a Gemini. Or oh, I'm like that, I'm like that, I'm like that. It's really general. So the real test they give you, it's your behavior, it's how you behave. Do you ever, do you, for, I realize a narcissist, if you're always doing things, if you're not, after you perform, if you have any remorse, <clears throat> are you, do you have remorse for whenever you do anything that doesn't meet your expectations for a person's behavior? And it's easy when you're tired and you're under stress and you're busy that you think that way. And I see it at the bar. And I have to realize that some people aren't always at their best. It's not because they're always that way. And I mentioned on a previous episode that one of our patrons yelled at two patrons that came in. He thought they were taking their mask off too early before they sat down as they were walking by. <clears throat> and he, he was quite vociferous or loud about telling them to put the mask on. And uh, the guys that were coming in obviously were having were having a good day and they still were having a good day because they handled the the verbal verbal assault I have to say with and they were good natured about it <clears throat> and they took and they took it in stride. Uh, the person that did it had to realize that maybe they're under stress. And we can forgive those behaviors. There's a lot of people right now that way. We have this. We have the holidays. Uh, Because of COVID-19, we had an economic downturn. A lot of people are hurting financially. They're hurting spiritually and because they haven't been able to do a lot of the things they've wanted to do. Maybe visit family members. Uh, There's been a lot of political division and just as much in the Keys as it is anywhere else in the United States and and around the world Uh, the way social media has been weaponized by different groups and aggrieved parties going to the extreme and we see extremists on both sides and we have a tendency to label people that disagree with us in, in an egregious way when they're, you know, it's really a sliding scale if you think about it, where they've had people that voted for Obama voted for Trump. Think about that. People that have voted for Barack Obama voted for Trump. And there are, obviously, there are white supremacists and right wing extremists, uh, Nazis, and militia members that are um, filled with hate, hope. You know, they're always looking for a violent confrontation. And I'm sure there's people on the left, not not as well organized as that, but there's people like that too. And we tend to identify everyone that supports the opposition as that. But, and there's a little stress with what, you know, they, they, some people aren't accepting what the outcome of the election was. And I, um, I don't understand that. I don't understand that uh, because after the um, I was an ardent supporter of uh, Hillary Clinton. I know a lot of you hate her for some reason. You know, Dave. There was you know the the the, the Clinton hate machine was out there. Um, 
they hate it because you know Clinton lied about a blowjob. Who doesn't lie about infidelity? Infidelity. I mean, if they're lying to their spouse, they're going to lie to everyone else. But it is it is common, and infidelity is not high treason. But and and uh, some people just attributed they attribute a lot of bad things and machinations to the Clintons. I understand they feel that way. I don't understand the validity, how they see it as valid. But I was an ardent supporter of Hillary Clinton in 2016, and when she lost the election the next day, I accepted it, and. I, st- I, I didn't feel really good about it because something else really happened horrible the same day really as horrible as things happened we lost a very close member of our family had died that uh, we found out that night when when uh, the results were coming and so it was doubly that way but we had accepted it we didn't think that it was going to be overturned or anything like that we knew that on a inauguration day, who was going to be president for uh, four years? Now, I didn't think he'd make it four years, um, but he did, and uh, he's trying to extend that. But the point is, uh, there's hard feelings, and, and people have a hard time really accepting it. It's a, a lot of division is this year. It really is. But there's people, I know there's people, there's people that care about me and my family very much. And and they'll say the sweetest things to me, about me, about my family and stuff like that. But they'll talk about people that feel the same exact way I feel politically. They'll say some horrible things. And they're in denial it's, it's like having a family member over and they're a Satanist. And you love the Satanists and you're an avid churchgoer. And you still love the person. The person is a Satanist. Other, other than they're, they're, they're a good person. They, do, they bring over a nice side dish. They do, they're very polite. They're, their conversation great. But they choose to worship Satan. Right? And uh, they'll have them at the family party and stuff like that. I mean, I know there are some people that belong to families that have that. They're d- different religions. We have Palestinians. There's people that have Palestinians, and uh, uh, Muslim Palestinians, and uh, Jewish Israelis. You know, not all Israelis are Jewish. Some are Palestinian. Some are Christian. So, and they're in the same family, and they get along. And they get along. So, and I I know some people that are topically very, 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 they, they use the language, very racist thing. And I've seen them talk to um, friends of mine who are black and not display that kind of hatred on a personal level. I don't really get that. So, for this Christmas, at least, for this Christmas season, it would be nice if people could be a little more thoughtful to each other and more, a little more considerate about what our common goals are, right? 
and it comes to mind with this, when I was thinking about being selfish. I say our common, my common goal is to, to be healthy in the new year, to keep my family very key healthy, so I can keep my family healthy and support them economically, keep food, shelter, uh, protect them, keep them safe. And that's you know that's the same goal almost all of us have. All all of us have. Now, if you don't have the goal of protecting your family and keeping shelter and all those things, that, that's your primary goal. But having the secondary goals are the things you think that are important to maintaining that. Like who's, who's president? Or this even third tier. You know, the secondary goal is your family, uh, your your extended family, and your friends. Making sure they're, you know, you know, you got to take care of your immediate family, and they got to take care of your race, and then you go outward from there. And it's it's people's circle of interest or empathy. How far does it go out? Your your circle of empathy. Is it just your if it's you're a survivalist. Uh, let's say you're a narcissist, extreme narcissist, an extreme narcissist, right? That's just yourself, right? That's just yourself. Now you can extend that to your immediate family and friends if, if you're extreme mar- nar- narcissist, if you think they are integral to your health and safety too. So, the extension to that. And then other people, there's extreme narcissists that think they pretend that they care about people outside, but really they are. They care about you as long as you care about them. Okay. Then you got the everyday person. The everyday person, the regular person, let's say right in the middle, because it's a sliding scale. There's narcissists on one end, and then you have the saints like the Mother Teresa's, um, the the people that just give everything, the Desmond Tutus, and all all these people that just give their all to help people as much as they can. I mean, obviously, you could put the ideal, the the non-Republican Christian up there. I have to say non-Republican because Republican Jesus doesn't want to help Republican Jesus doesn't help immigrants doesn't think people should have they shouldn't have a right right to health care or public education you know or right to shelter Republican Jesus doesn't say Republican Jesus says you have to pull yourself by your own bootstraps as you talk to a group of people that are probably on the dole and food stamps in the deep south which is but so you got the regular person that thinks well I got to take care of my family I got my friends I care about my uh, family and then they start getting into the political thing they say well the people identify with the people you got to have your guns if you don't have my guns they can't you know the second amendment right you got to have the guns or if you're an extremist on the left, you got to have your freedom. You've got to be able to do whatever I want, whenever I want. That's more libertarian. Uh, but 
you know, people say, well, we, everything should be shared. That's extreme communist. I, I dispute people who say socialist. But then they only identify with people with the same political outlooks. Right? And they got to be in their country. They got to have the same political outlooks and they got to be an American. Right? Or be supportive of your goals. Right? Then you got people that are empathetic. Further out there, they're more empathetic. And they go, well, their their whole circle they care about is is people that every every everybody everybody that needs that has less of either freedom political freedom health care shelter food you know safety physical safety there's people that are living in regions where they have uh, militias running around and stuff like that, which in the United States they're running around, right? In Oregon, there's a right-wing terrorist group. I'm going to call them a terrorist group. You shouldn't call them militias anymore. Once you attack a state capital and start, uh, much like Antifa, Antifa was just doing it to private property, which is bad. Antifa is more of an idea than an organization. Um, they were attacking stores and private property. What the right wing militia groups, they were attacking the seat of government in Salem, Oregon, the state capital. And the police, they were attacking the police. So they're actually, these, they're so far right. These people are so far right. They're against the Blue Lives Matter thing. It shouldn't be Blue Lives, everybody's lives matter. All lives matter, Black Lives Matter. But you got to show a modicum of respect. I mean, the reason they had the Black Lives Matter is because they 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 felt that um, black people weren't given the same weight of value by the police. So they were trying to bring them up. They're trying to bring up black lives to um, the level of all lives matter. Yes, all lives matter, but there are people that different groups of people don't feel that way and that's the reason why they had to focus on the black lives matter thing because they didn't feel like you know with the you know with certain police organizations they there was less value on them so i'm talking about the circle of empathy going out and the circle of empathy extends to your country then it goes out to the world to people and that's when you see the commercials. We see malnourished children, children that need medical care. Um, you see the SPCA, animals. The circle of empathy goes out. Now, there are people that care about animals, but don't care about people. You know, you got you, you really got to get your priority street you should care about I understand I care about animals I don't want an animal to starve and I believe SPCA does a good job but if you care about animals and you don't care about people why are you surprised that people that care about people don't care about animals see that's a that's a circle of empathy include it's a possibility that you can care about it's all right to care about a dog and a person, you know, and they don't have to be an American. I've had 
people come into the bar on a regular occasion and say when there's charity to go around, they say, well, we got to do it here. we got to do it here. I, and you go, well, yes, we're supposedly the wealthiest country in the world, and we have the resources to take care of all of our citizens, but we choose not to within our borders. We choose not to make it a priority. We choose not to make health care accessible to all people. That's a choice because they believe that that's a choice they made. And it's also a choice they say, but corporations are people. So corporations have rights, but not all people have rights. Right? No, they don't have. Corporations have right to, you know, uh, a right to ha- hear their voices in the election. So that means that corporations can spend a limited amount of money supporting a candidate that supports their agenda. So think think of that empathy going out. If you're putting up a Christmas tree, and if you're just doing, let's say, if you're just doing a generic Christmas tree, and you say, well, it's not a religious symbol, fine, fine. You're just doing it tradition and stuff like that. You can do everything that you want. You can be selfish. You, can, you don't have to do anything. But if you're pretending to be a follower of Jesus, pretending to be a follower of Jesus, because if you do any hate speech, if you do any hate speech within your, your if it's allowed inside your system, if a hate speech is a allowed inside your Christian belief system then there's a flaw there there's a flaw if you exclude people if you exclude immigrants because we know that there's whole um, there's whole sections of the gospels that tell you what Jesus thinks about immigrants and people that weren't born in Bethlehem right I mean the good Samaritan was a major parable in the Christian belief system. And if you examine that, you realize it's the content of character, not where someone is from. Right? And even then, no one is irredeemable. Right? And there are, and there's instances where Jesus accepts people who don't necessarily believe what he believes. But that th- there there is a place for people, good people that don't believe the same thing you do. Right? And you should care, and he suggests you should care about everyone, care about the children and all that stuff. I know you, if after... I know the big thing coming up with this is is abortion. Okay. Abortion. There's uh, it's going to be a difficult question for years to come. It's around. The genie's out of the bottle. It happens. You're not going to stop it. What you're doing is you're going to stop. Le- you you might be able to prevent legal ones. You might prevent legal ones. But what you're going to do is create a whole... Think about prohibition on alcohol, the prohibition in drugs, the reason why marijuana is finding acceptance in a lot of states, and eventually it looks like in the next year or two, it'll be federally be moved off the schedule of illegal 
substances is that they realize that they, for several reasons. First, uh, the logical one, people say, well, uh, don't treat marijuana like abortion because obviously no one's really getting hurt, hurt with marijuana. Well, the reason they prohibit it is they thought people were getting hurt. The belief was it was a gateway drug and all these things. But what it did when, when they made it prohibited, just like they did with the prohibition with the, uh, in 1919, when they passed the prohibition against alcohol, that a whole underground economy started. And it was a criminal organization. Same thing happened with marijuana and other drugs. So I figure if you take that out, reduce the resources that we use to incarcerate people and investigate people for that and use it against things like abuse, uh, drug abuse, use it against um, violence, property crimes and things like that. We can redirect our resources there and it makes a lot more sense and we also can derive some revenue for the more benign uh, items like marijuana. So make something, prohibit something that is going to be done anyway, and there'll be a black market. And that's what the, um, the the gun thing is right now. Like you could buy, you can buy in the United States, you could buy an automatic weapon. Not legally, but you could buy it because it's illegal. But you could buy an automatic weapon in Australia, even though it's illegal. It's illegal. Almost a lot of guns are illegal. And, um, uh, you know, you could buy, buy in Europe and things like that. It's just underground just it makes it easier to trace and you just don't see as many people running around with them. Here in the United States that's going to be an issue for years to come too because of the way people view their needs. Okay, let's get back to that empathy thing. So, if you're a Christian and then you're throwing out the N-word or using a derogatory meaning for a Jew or Muslim, you may you are definitely missing the mark. Now I know there are uh, religious leaders out there that hold their nose for it. They work. They do that for money. I want to do the podcast for money, but if someone has a message and they were going to give me money for it, a message I did not agree with, I would not accept their money. That's just the way it is. Now, people say, Jim, I'm sure you had a boss that didn't agree with you on all things. You accepted their money. Well, I wasn't promoting their ideas. I wasn't promoting their ideas, firstly. And secondly, most of the times I really didn't know. Almost all the times. My employer's political beliefs. Now, um, so that that's just the way it is. So I I find right now that Christmas, if you're not if you're not using Christmas to be fully inclusive, you're not doing Christmas. And it's bullshit war on Christmas, especially on some of these supposedly news stations that say these horrible messages about groups of people. I mean, during Christmas, even even you love thy enemy. Love thine. There's no love. There is no love. It's hate. And there's some people in there suggesting 
you know, you come in to run into some people, they're going to have to, uh, uh, a religious leader suggested that it would be all right to execute homosexuals. Really? Is it, is it all right in your religious belief? Are they not a protected group of people? Do you think you don't have somebody in your family who isn't gay? If you have a family of 50 people, you have. let me tell you something. Whether you know it or not, if, inside your circle of 50 people, randomly take 50 people unless you're, um, you've got a very select group of people. But randomly select 50 people. You're going to have a couple, more than a few, a couple gay people in there. And take 50 of your friends. Now, they're not all out. Look at Lindsey Graham. Come on. He's gay. It's, it's, it's one of the most... He hasn't been outed yet. But eventually, by the time he dates, there's going to be a diary. They're going to find... There's going to be uh, uh, some ex-lovers out there and things like that. And you're just going just gonna to see that. In the end. It's a hateful thing. It's like one of those people, if you're like a product of a uh, mixed race family, and then you end up being a white supremacist because you came out looking light. Oh, that's tantamount to the same thing. And the same thing of being a Christian and not and having hate, hate in your heart. Having hate in your heart. And I'm telling you, that one thing, if you want Christianity to be the... I have a recipe right now. If you want this to be a Christian nation, act like a Christian nation. If you really pretended to act like a Christian nation, to care for everyone, And then, oh my God, you would see the biggest fucking Christmas celebrations. You'd be converting, a, let me see, you'd be converting people at a clip of maybe 1% a year. That doesn't sound incredible, but that'd be 3 million people. And inside 100 years, you'd be exporting Christianity. you say, listen, those American Christians really know how to do it. They care about people. They don't ask the questions. They don't call people. Um, you know, they, you know, the people that are able to work hard. The people that are leading aren't greedy. The religious leaders don't fly around in private private jets and explain it as they need to in order, in order to spread the gospel. I need a private aircraft in order to spread the word of God. Oh, you need a private aircraft where I can get it right on the internet. The word of God, if you want, is is available to anybody with internet access. So, if you got rid of that private aircraft, you could probably give 200,000 people internet access to Christian-only content. And if you're able to do that without 
denigrating, say, like the Westboro Baptist Church where they did the God Hate Fags people in Florida. Uh, if you're able to stop doing shit like that, and start making sure that instead of going to soldiers' funerals and protesting uh, about gay people and stuff like that, and maybe just giving things like you know, like the Shriners do, you know, start being charitable, true Christian charity, and not use it, and kick out the people, the bogus people. What you got to do is you got to expel. If you really wanted to do create a, a, a really great movement kick out all those hypocrites get rid of them get rid of all the hypocrites don't worry about saying fuck balls, dick, pussy all those things that's not the thing that God gets upset about God does not get upset about it gets upset when you let's say you go to in Baghdad and you have some military contractors decide to kill women and children indiscriminately. Right? If they feel a couple of gunshots and then you start firing, killing a shitload of people, going in another country because we have an interest in that country, you start killing them. Let's say the Blackwater guys. And start killing indiscriminately and then bringing them over here having the trial convicting them and deciding to pardon them during Christmas you're pardoning people well they were over in Iraq and they're contractors they were doing it for America oh you were killing women and children well it's alright they were Muslim you don't believe they're going to go to heaven anyway that's the problem the the hypocrisy there you can't support torture. You got to be against torture. Number one, you got to be against the death penalty because it's incongruent to be pro-life and pro-death penalty. Whoa, that person said scumbag. Well, what if we knew that person was going to scumbag when they were in the belly? Do we going to have to wait forty years to execute them? Well, the mother was poor and they were on welfare and stuff like that and they ended up being a, a mass murderer and they deserve to be murdered now. Oh, now, now. So all human life matters until you do something wrong and then you go. But that's an innocent child. But if you're a Christian, wait. You're not an innocent child. You're stained by the original sin, aren't you? Of Adam and Eve. So they're not innocent until they're baptized, aren't they? Because they're every child if the, if Christians are supporting almost every child is stained by original sin so I on the other hand say everybody is worthy of being saved and we could just turn this Christian train around and make it more like the way you'd expect it to be come on you know it you know it's not supposed to. I'm sorry to get religious and stuff like that. That's the reason why I have a very hard time with it. I have a problem with the theology, not the spirituality. I have a problem with the theology of it. The messy, the messaging is bad in a lot of groups. And yes, I was brought up Roman Catholic, and they, and they have a very uh, strange pomp uh, and certain traditions and stuff like that, just like that. But the, the, the true message came through for me. 
I get it. I get that message, but not everyone does. So uh, I know I may not get uh, a lot of listeners for this, but I uh, do appreciate you for listening. And please share this with friends of like mind. This is, uh, uh, I guess, kind of like a Christmas message. And I'll talk to you later. This is Jim the Keys Bartender. Thank you for listening, and I'll come to you tomorrow. Bye.